warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. I jokingly say, you know, what's the difference between playing the saint and playing Bond? That in the saint, I did raise my eyebrow, and I don't think I don't think I ever raised my eyebrow in uh, in Bond. <laughs> Let's do this episode four. Of the real, <laughs> don't sound so shocked. It's the Real Britannia podcast with Scott and Tony. It's a very British podcast about very British movies, with just a hint of professionalism. Now, Tony, as as the episodes go on, that very nearest hint of professionalism is is gradually disappearing. I think it's just de- degenerating into complete chaos sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> but it's working though. The, pe- the people like it. They, what, they love it. What people? We're not hearing any feedback. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Someone put a comment on Facebook the other day, they, which is quite nice. They did. We've actually got some sort of feedback from But There are people listening. I was accused of actually having a podcast empire the other day um, oh. by one of our podcasting friends because I've got three podcasts on the go now. But I love it. You love it. I mean, you're you're relatively new to the podcasting game, but you, you love this sort of thing, don't you? It's great. You just get to talk shit about shit. Yeah, but it's we, great. we could talk shit about shit any time we want to. It's just that we're recording it for other people to listen. And they're listening. That's the amazing <laughs> thing. Lord no alone. one else listens. Lord alone knows why. The bit that amazes me is what has taken off in, in the space of three episodes, now four. Misery Lane has become yeah. a feature. Because everyone's dying, that's the problem. Yeah, and, and we if they stop dying. Misery Lane stops. So if you're listening out there, showbiz people, don't die. Don't die. I mean, we're recording on a, a Thursday evening towards the end of September, and and already this week, Jake Lamotta died yesterday. All right, nothing to do with British and and you know stars and movies and things like that. But it was just. Do you remember? Was it last year that there was everybody died? Yeah. Everybody, all at once, all at once, all over the year, they all just died. And, and looking back over this year, we're getting some bloody big names. I mean, God, God rest his soul, Sir Bruce Forsyth. We'll go into let's, let's play the music. We're going into Misery Lane. Let's just do it. Bruce Forsyth, you wanted to you wanted to chat, Brucey. Yeah, what a legend! A legend in his own right. Um, the Ant and Decker, the. <laughs> 70s, 80s, and 90s, wasn't he? What rolled into one? <laughs> yeah, he was. He's great with all these slogans. Proper family fun man. Yeah, everyone knows the catchphrases, and that's great, isn't it? That's just just a legend in his own right. You, I'd do it. Nice to see you. And he goes, see you, nice. I do it all the time. Did he do well. Good game. Good game. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good game. Good game. The the thing that surprised me. I mean, I grew up. With Bruce Forsyth, there's there hadn't been a moment in my life where Bruce Forsyth hasn't been on TV, you know. No, when they were printing like the obituaries and the tributes and things like that a few weeks back, 
he was actually, I've read somewhere, I swear they said he was in the Guinness Book of Records for having like the longest entertainment career or something like that because he started when he was like nine or something. Way- yeah, he was on the stage, wasn't he? Yeah, and, and obviously like he was 90 or very nearly 90 when he passed away and he was older than sliced bread. That was, yeah. a, that was another thing that got me, you know, he's actually older than sliced bread. Incredible career. I mean, I'm doing a bit of research for one of the other podcasts at the moment on um, Matt Munro, the singer, the 60s singer. Moon River! No, that was Andy Williams, or Danny Williams. Same, same, <laughs> same thing. And, yeah, was oh, it? on days like this, wasn't it? That's what I was thinking he of, did, the Italian job. He did the Italian job, and Born Free, and, and yeah, lots of movie sort of soundtrack. Until Russia, someone stopped me. From Russia with Love, you know, that sort of stuff. My he... favourite porridge gag. <laughs> what was that? What? Born Free till somebody stopped me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> when he sings it to Mackay. <laughs> now, only you could bring in a gag about... A 70s sitcom that, you know, nobody else would remember. And you're 23 years old. I need to redeem myself from the cock-up of Andy Williams just a second ago. That's fine. Not my, not my cock-up Andy Williams. That's... I'm not sure. But... <laughs> He's got to that level already. Um, <laughs> but Bruce Forsyth, he, he, he was friends with Matt Munro. Matt Munro knew them all, you know, because it was that era of... Everybody was doing the club circuit in the 60s and the 70s. And, and and Bruce was just on TV from, you know, Sunday Night of the London Palladium. Then he became the king of the quiz shows, didn't he? He was Mr. Saturday Night. Yeah. Um, and it's incredible. And it, it's a shame because a lot of the TV stuff, people didn't really get to see Bruce Forsyth as the entertainer, the singer, the dancer. He was a fantastic tap dancer. You know, he was he was best mates with Sammy Davis Jr. Sammy Davis Jr. idolised Sammy Davis Jr. And he was just this true entertainer. That is the only way. He, he was all round, wasn't he? He was fantastic. It was. It was a real shame when he died. I thought it was a hoax. There's been so many hoaxes for Bruce C. We know he's been poorly for a little while. Yeah. And then um, to find out he'd actually passed away, genuinely passed away, it was a bit, uh, a bit sad, really. It was sad, but like we said about Glenn Campbell last time, not not too much of a shock. No. You know, it's not one of those ones that we couldn't have seen coming at some point, you know, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah. So once again, we've started off the show with Doom and Gloom. Yeah. <laughs> And we're reviewing a film with the late, great Roger Moore. Oh, my God, it just gets worse, doesn't it? Welcome to <laughs> Depression, the podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the breeding my, ground for weirdness. It is. It was my choice this week for the movie. And let's play the trailer. It's The Man Who Haunted Himself, so Roger Moore. behind all this. First of all, there is the possibility, though ever unlikely, that there is an actual double dog in your footsteps. Could there be another explanation? There could. Is all this true? All these times I've been coming here... You don't remember? None of it. 
If you want other women, you can have them. Eve, I don't want other women. Well, you certainly don't want me. How many times do I have to tell you I've never seen her? Your name may be Pelham, but I am Harold Pelham of Freeman, Pelham and Dawson. I'm Pelham. I am! Then we're left with only one alternative. Pell's guilty. <laughs> you're funny. You're never the same man twice. Oh, no, Mr. Pelham, you're always the same. You and I have been friends and colleagues for more years than I care to remember. But I don't recognize the man sitting there. Are you suggesting that Pell's been playing a double game? Then you think I'm mad. No. You could be suffering from this sort of psychosis. Oh, God, you frightened me. Go play your sick jokes on someone else! Drowning. Who is he? Where is he? I want to see him! Okay, Tony, that was the trailer for The Man Who Haunted Himself, released in 1970, directed by Basil Dearden, old Baz, as we were quite no, Baz. referring to him last time, starring Roger Moore, Hildegard Neal, Alistair McKenzie. There are a few other famous faces, Anton Rogers, and a couple that I'm going to mention to you. Um, Mr. Greensdale! That was one of them, Freddie Jones. <laughs> um, lots and lots of famous faces. Can we have the synopsis, please, mate? You can. <clears throat> what was that? <laughs> <laughs> that was good, wasn't it? <laughs> Harold Pellman encounters a duplicate of himself in the aftermath of a car crash. After that moment, his life is upset. And that is a car crash of a synopsis, I believe. That's his life awful. is upset. That's what awful. That? Have you got that it from IMDb? A... Yeah. After that, Harold Pellman encounters a duplicate of himself in the aftermath of a car crash... After that moment, his life is upset. Yeah, how crap's that? That is really bad. Right, for those that haven't seen it, as much as I love Roger Moore as James Bond, right? I wouldn't say he was, you know, the best Bond, but he's possibly my favourite. Um, I love him in things like this. Had, had you ever heard of this movie before I, I brought it to you last time? Never, never. <laughs> but I've only ever known Roger Moore as the Saint and James Bond. That's and that's it. it. That's it. So you haven't seen things like The Sea Wolves or North Sea Hijack or, or what was the other one? Um, the Wild Geese, things like that. Some of those sort of things that he did in the 80s. No. Okay. As we know, like all, all the Bonds did other movies, didn't they? Sean Connery was probably the most successful out of all of them. But this is about two years prior to Moore getting the Bond gig. You know, Live and Let Die was probably 72, I think, 71, 72. So up to this point, there's a few minor movie appearances, but as you say, he was probably best known as The Saint on, yeah. on TV. So actually, just just going while we're on, on the subject of The Saint, do, do you like The Saint as a TV series? Is it one that you watch? Because I know you watch a lot of very bizarre stuff. Um, I watched it, but I couldn't say I enjoyed it as much as James Bond. Okay, okay, so it's not one of your turn to sort of TV series from 
the 16. Oh, no. No, no. no. If it was on, I'd watch it. But, okay. Um, James Bond, definitely better in that. Okay, so you watched this for the first time probably about two, three weeks ago then, wasn't it? I remember you said you watched it. So we're, yeah, we're relying on we're relying on a little bit of a distant memory of, of for this review. I watched it last night or night before, night before. First time I've watched it in over 30 years. And going into this, I was of the opinion that this would divide people. I, I thought that there would be two camps here. There will be the people that absolutely hate this film, thinking it is just a big old pile of crap. Or there's those that enjoy it and like it. Now, talking to guys at work and some of the feedback we've been getting on Facebook and stuff like that, the general consensus is that most people actually like this film. They think it's a bit of a classic. Just give me instant reaction to your to your instant reaction to this film. When it started, I was straight away, I quite liked it. Right. Because it was, like what I said before, the old London, the old music, the, yep. the old cars. Yeah. It was great, and I, I sort of started following the story, and it sort of threw me a bit, to be honest. <laughs> it was a bit like Legend. I didn't realise uh, um, recently Legend was done, the two characters were by Tom Hardy. Ronnie oh. and Reggie were both Tom Hardy. I didn't realise that. Stop that's, it. that's how thick I am. Stop it now. Because Honestly. We had this on the stinking pause with Doctor Strangelove, where Peter Sellers plays four characters. Yeah. Charlie only recognised Peter Sellers as one of them. He didn't realise that the other three were Peter Sellers as well. You honestly thought that Tom Hardy just played one of the Cray brothers? In yeah. The... Oh, my God. Yeah, that's really good, doesn't it? Excellent. But, but you knew that Roger Moore was both characters in this. I, I, I knew Roger Moore was both <laughs> characters, but I, I got a bit confused with what was going on with the double life thing. Okay, right. For, well, for those that don't know, it starts off... I'll spoil it it's all right. I think we're going to spoil this, this, the film's forty years old, fifty years old. For God's sake, I think we can spoil. Well, we won't go too much into spoilers, but we can sort of touch on the borders of it. Um, <laughs> touch on the borders. Uh, um, Moore plays Howard Pelham, right? And from the start, he's a successful businessman. His name's above the company Pelham something and something Marine Technologists and. You can tell that he's a you know a successful man. He drives a great big he's either a Daimler or a Jag, um, three piece suit, very trimmed moustache, rolled up umbrella that he puts on the back seat of the car. You know, you know his his life is ordered and precise. Mm. Yeah, and it starts off with him driving home through, as you say, nineteen seventy London. Yeah, through the embankment and round by Westminster, sort of the places that I'm working at the moment. Really brilliant to see like that view of London fifty years ago. And he's driving along, you know, poodling his way home to Berkshire. And as soon as he hits the M4, he goes psychotic. Yeah. <laughs> Puts his foot down and drives like a madman. Something happens, yeah. He, un- he takes his seatbelt off and starts putting the pedal to the metal. Or the, or the me- yeah, the pedal to the metal. Passing the same cars over and over and over again. <laughs> and weaving in and out 100 miles an hour with this bizarre sort of crazed look on his face and and as he's sort of like weaving his way through the traffic we get this very strange shot of a sports car being superimposed over the top of the Daimler and then it cuts to Roger Moore's face and it's, it's sort of him imagining he's driving this sports car from what I can work out yeah I do it all the time you do it all the time you imagine you're driving a sports car in your van <laughs> oh yeah and, and there he goes in and out of the traffic you know and um, he hits a point in the road 
Now bear with me on this one, Tony. It's a point in the road that only exists in movies. There's a place that only exists in the land of celluloid, right? It is the place where you've seen it a thousand times before, where there's usually a market stall that's stacked high with oranges or that's the one. Or a truck that's got like lots and lots of boxes full of chickens. Or <laughs> there'll be two men. In this case, it was a road clothes sign and a load of boxes. Exactly. Or there'll be a guy with like two guys carrying a pane of glass, you know. That's, um, that's the one. <laughs> but here he finds like barrels, bollards, building materials, that sort of thing. And he goes crashing through this randomly placed sort of like roadblock. Which didn't cause a scratch to the car. And it, it looks like he ends up on some sort of like airport runway, doesn't it, as a skid pan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally unrelated to the road he was driving on. <laughs> and, and, and he has a crash. He, he crashes the car. We then see him at the hospital. Now, this bit I like because we've mentioned this a few times about when we look back at these films from the 60s and the 70s, we look at the buildings and the backgrounds, don't we? We think, oh, that's great. Yeah. That hospital... Right, this was 1970. It looks like he's gone to a hospital in 1870. <laughs> <laughs> the, the equipment was like out of the ark, you know, and it's, and, and I remember hospitals like this. You know, this was obviously filmed before hospitals became all sort of glass and shiny, you know. And it surprises me that anybody actually survived a visit to the hospital back then, looking at what was the conditions. Yeah, it's a bit worried like. the heart rate machine sort of went all funny. He had to bash it to get it to work. Right. Didn't he? This is the point. He's there in, in casualty. It wasn't A and E then, it was casualty back then. <laughs> and there's all this like ancient equipment. There's there's machines going ping and, and this looked like the bladder of a football sort of breathing in and out. It was like the scene out of the meaning of life, wasn't it? Get the machine that goes ping. It's a bing. Just for the, I don't know, 10 seconds or so, he dies there on the table. So what does the doctor do? He gives the inflated football a bit of a squeeze. <laughs> That's it. That's the one. He doesn't, like, attempt any sort of CPR or, you know, get the old paddles with the electric shock going through his chest. He gives the old inflated football a bit of a squeeze. And miraculously, Roger Moore comes back to life. But yeah. as you look over at the ECG monitor, there's two heartbeats. Yeah. <laughs> so with typical British sort of ingenuity, <laughs> what does the anaesthetist do? Gave it a technical clout. Gives <laughs> <laughs> it a whack. <laughs> and, and, and all of a sudden, these two heartbeats become one. So this is where we're going. You know, th th there's going to be some sort of supernatural element. Yeah, there's a bit of a message there, wasn't there? I mean, you went into this blind, didn't you? You, I did. You, you didn't watch the trailer, you didn't know anything about this film. So at this point, you're thinking, okay, Scott, what the hell have you, you chosen here for me? But you're enjoying it. It was good. It was still going. I was still intrigued. I was still watching it. And I thought, oh, okay, I'm getting into this. Getting into it. And then he goes home. Okay. And he's he's getting ready for work. You get to see the kids. He's got a really nice house. Yeah, as I say, very successful businessman. He's got the poshest, wife, poshest wife in the world and the two most annoying children in the world as well. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he's, he sort of cuts this. He's like, I don't know, weeks later, you know, and he's making his way back to work. You know, we're going to try and sort of trim this story down a bit. But what happens, he ends up at work and, and there's these sort of cases of what he thinks is mistaken identity. You know, his work colleagues come up to him. And people say, oh, I saw you in the club last week. And he says, well, I wasn't in the club last week. I was in Spain. He invites Forley Waters, very well-known character actor, Forley Waters, over for a drink. 
doesn't know anything about it, you know, doesn't remember doing it. And the wife seems to think that all his friends are playing a game, sort of having a, you know, a laugh with him. He gradually starts to think he's going mad. So you're watching at this point. Where, where do you think this film's going at this point? Well, I thought he was going mad, to be honest. That's what I was sort of thinking. So he you, was actually doing this stuff and sort of covering his own tracks. Okay, so you think that he's had some sort of amnesia and he's... Yeah. There, there's this sort of subplot, isn't there, that the um, there's a takeover bid for the company he's working for and it sort of transpires that he's been seen talking to the rival company and putting things in motion that he shouldn't be doing or discussing and... You know, the, the board get together and, and want to sack him because they think he's been doing some underhand dealing. And, he, and of course, he's denying all knowledge of it. But we sort of see this sports car as well that we saw at the beginning parked keeps outside. Keeps parking it's, up outside. Yeah. yeah. And and we see this shadowy figure who, who keeps lighting up a cigarette and breaking a match in exactly the same fashion that Roger Moore breaks a match before, you know, after lighting a fag. So there's definitely something going on. There's also an incredibly gorgeous looking woman played by Olga George Pico that he's having an affair with yeah but he doesn't remember no see that sort of throw me as well I was like (laughs) I don't know what this is all about now there's lots of these little plots and they're they're all sort of piecing together they're all sort of converging at one point you know he thinks he's going mad the wife thinks he's having an affair all his work colleagues thinks that he's doing some underhand sort of double dealing and double crossing them that's uh, it, yeah, with some sort of secret information or something, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's at this point, or at this point, we meet Freddie Jones, the great Freddie Jones, who plays the most bizarre psychiatrist you've ever seen. He's got these little round sunglasses on and the world's worst Scottish accent, mm. and he's trying to fathom out, you know, what's what's going on here, what the bloody hell's going on. I'll tell you what else I need to mention as well, he's Butler. Did you recognise the butler? No, I don't. And now I'm racking my brains now you said that because you're saying it like I should. Right, the butler is an actor called Kevork Malikian. And he played Luigi, the Italian butler. Kevork Malikian was probably best known, and I know you've seen this series because you brought it up in conversation before. He was the guy that always played the Turkish fella in Mind Your Language. With the big big moustache. Right. Okay. In, In... one of the Bond films, I think he played an Egyptian. In this, he's Italian. I don't know where the guy's from, but he was just your token European. You know, they'd always stick like a big moustache on him and he'd, and he'd put on some crazy <laughs> accent, you know. And <laughs> so he's in it. Anton Rogers, with hair, no glasses, before he got fat and married Julia McKenzie in Fresh Fields. He's in this. And as you pointed out earlier, the most surprising, it was almost a cameo, but Mr. Grimsdale's in it from the Norman Wisdom. Mr. Grimsdale, yeah. I thought he was lo- long dead by now, but obviously not. No. And interestingly, one of the other guys on the board was a chap called Charles Lloyd Pack, who was the father of Roger Lloyd Pack, who is... Trigger. Trigger. Yeah, Trigger's dad was in the movie as well. The late great. The late great. There's another one. See, doom gloom once again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, th- we won't spoil it too much, but there is a double... There are two Roger Moores walking about. One of them's causing havoc. The other one's going crazy because he don't know what the hell's going on. Did you know what was going on? <laughs> I didn't <laughs> um, until quite late in it. 
And then when I did sort of realise what was going on, yeah. I was a bit upset, really. It was a sort of a shame, wasn't it? It, it, was... it, it, fell, it fell at the final hurdle, didn't it? it? Yeah. The premise was good. The whole build-up, the whole sort of suspense, like the intrigue. You, you, you're there with him, trying to work out what the bloody hell's going on. Yeah. And then the big reveal oh. comes at the end. And... I was- I was, I, was, I was a bit upset by it all because he's a, a law-abiding citizen, family man, had everything, and it's the same old story you hear all the time. They had everything, then you lose it all. Yeah. You know, it was really quite upsetting <laughs> to watch. <laughs> so we don't really do ratings here, but if we do the five-star rating thing, up to before the last sort of 10, 15 minutes, what sort of star rating would you have been giving this film? I'd have probably gone as high as a four. You're right, so it's a four-star movie, and then you get the reveal at the end. With the terrible death. See, Um, we're going to spoil it. Well, one of the doubles has to die, but we won't tell you which one. How about that? Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. yeah. One of the doubles has to has to go. Uh, either, either way, it's the worst death you'll ever watch. <laughs> it's a fucking bizarre ending. It now, is terrible ending. So, Absolutely terrible ending. So you're petrifying at some points when you see his eyes. <laughs> oh, they're looking in the in the um, the rearview mirror of the car, and there's his that's head. it. It's the worst thing I'd ever seen. You got a four star rated. So now, by the end of the film, what's it gone down to? Two? About uh, two. Yeah. So, okay. The ending really let the film down. But, but up until that film. point, yeah. it was really good. Okay. Would you recommend it to people? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah? Especially for, for people like me mm-hmm. that only know him as Bond and the Saint. Yeah. I would yeah. definitely say, go and watch it, see what else he does, and and then come and talk to me, see what you think <laughs> after that. <laughs> see, if, see if you you'd feel any different about Roger Moore. Yeah, it's at that really wonderful sort of period in time where the 60s have finished, obviously, because this is 1970. But we haven't gone full-blown into that 70s fashion and the era that we you know, we associate the 70s to look like. It's still the tail end of that flower power era, isn't it? You know, Yeah, uh, trying to hold on to some nostalgia still. Yeah, and... It, it just the film looks marvellous it's it's a good concept and I, I don't know go into it with an open mind chuckle along to some of the bits that are unintentionally funny yeah don't take it too seriously but at the same time just marvel at the fact that you know the British were chucking out a movie in 1970 that I, I've had people at work saying that they love it and they regard it as a classic this week yeah I'm surprised really that I've not seen it on Sunday afternoon telly, to be honest. No, um, I saw it, it was midweek originally, sort of like on BBC One after the nine o'clock news, you know, it was that sort of time. But I'm talking early 80s when I saw it for the first time. And and every now and again, it might appear very late night at a weekend, you know, sort of like after midnight, you know, just (laughs) buried away in the schedule somewhere. And it's just been lost. It has been lost, but it got a recent Blu-ray release. And I think a lot of people have rediscovered it, and uh, it is—it's it's round about that sort of Hammer horror era as well, when you get those classic sort of British horrors of the late sixties and early seventies as well. And I think I said to you when I introduced the film to you last time, it almost borders on a horror film as well. Well, that's how it's sort of advertised. That when you see like the label of it all, that's how it sort of comes across as a horror film. Yeah. Then you watch the start of it, 
And you think, oh, no, this ain't a horror film. It's going to be a comedy because they crash through some boxes. <laughs> then you get into the film and you're thinking, oh, no, this is actually a bit more deep. You know, this is quite meaningful. Then you get to the end of it and you feel, oh, that's just fucked it all. No, you've ruined it. <laughs> you've ruined it now. <laughs> with the, the terrible death scene don't and let, the weird yeah. steery eyes in that mirror. But don't let that put you off the ending. Just, no, just definitely don't. Go, no, yeah. Watch it. Go into it prepared for a disappointing ending. <laughs> Basically, yeah. But, but my biggest thing with it is, is if you've never seen Roger Moore do anything more than be a spy, watch it. Yeah. So that's, that's... I think that's my the, my biggest thing on it. Watch it and you can see that he wasn't just James Bond and the same. I've got so many Roger Moore movies to introduce to you. As I say, North Sea Hijack is an amazing film. Um, it's another one sort of like this that... It was made, I think, 1980, 10 years after this. And it's sort of been rediscovered by people because he plays a character called Fawkes. And right. it, and it, it, he's this anti-terrorist. He's, I'll, I'll bring you that in a few weeks' time, mate, because it's a great movie. And I might even invite our friend Mark from the Good, the Bad and the Odd podcast because he loves that film as well. And then things like The Wild Geese, as I say, and, and um, The Sea Wolves, you know, these big ensemble pieces that had sort of David Niven and Harry Andrews in them and all those sorts of guys, you know. Yeah, we'll, we'll do some more Roger Moore very, very soon. But I would say to people, give it a go. It's, it's a great, yeah, definitely watch it's it. a great film. Okay, we'll take a little break. We're going to come back in just a minute. It's going to be your turn to choose the movie. Ooh. 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 <laughs> Okay, what we're watching next time? Yep, I believe it's your turn to choose, Tone. It is. Um, I have chose a film from 1953. Oh, lovely. Oh, <laughs> so he, he, his mind's stirring already. It's um, located in London. Excellent, that's how I like them, yep. At a very, very famous department store. I've got an idea already. Oh, a famous department store. Yes, very famous. Okay. I'll tell you well, what I think thinking. it was anyway. <laughs> go on. I, I know what I'm, I'm sure thinking. It was. I know what I'm thinking it is. But go on. What is it, mate? I have picked the Norman Wisdom's first ever film, <laughs> yeah. Troubling Store. Excellent. I think it was a fictional department store, but was it? I don't think it was. Was it? Well, it was probably. It was probably filmed in a real department store, but I think the name of it was fictional. Um, I can't think the name of the bloody department Nor store. Can wasn't I. It now, going to have to watch it again. It's his first movie. Great because we did say, didn't we, that if we were going to do like Norman Wisdom or Carry Ons or the St Trinian's movie, and we're going to do them in order. So, yes. So it's only fitting that we do Troubling Store, nineteen fifty-three. Oh my God! Now, if I remember rightly, is this the one where he sings "Don't Laugh at Me" because I'm a fool? It is indeed. He it does is. it in the booth um, yeah. because his girlfriend, Sal, or to-be girlfriend, Sally, mm. does the recordings there. That's it. And then there's somebody famous who is the... Is it George Sanders? He's actually the guy that runs the store. I can't remember. There's some really famous... I think Margaret Rutherford's in it playing a shoplifter, isn't she? Yeah, our, our there's loads Mar- of famous people. There's lots and lots of carry-on people in there as well. Oh, I'm so looking forward to that. I've got a little... Well, a couple of like Norman Wisdom box sets here, so... It, we we need to do a comedy. Just well, it, it's, it was very much like the, that. Norman Wisdom was very much like the plank. You got lots and lots of famous people in it. Yeah, but in their early days, which is even yeah. better still. 
Yeah, I, I, I can picture them all now. You know, it's oh, this is going to be great. I, I, <laughs> Norman Wisdom was sort of like part and parcel of my childhood. They, that Norman Wisdom movies always used to be on on the TV. Yeah, um, you, you can't beat a Norman Wisdom one. You don't see it um, very often now, do you? That's the thing. They're not. They're not broadcast. No, they now. don't get played as much as they should. I know I play them. I definitely play them. Yes, it's only shadows like us that actually have podcasts to talk about crap like this as well, isn't it? That's the thing. It, it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to that. That's a bloody good choice, mate. I'm really, really glad because we, we had a comedy as yet, apart from the plank, which was like a short. Yeah, fine choice, sir. Absolutely fine choice. Yes, I, I, I stumbled across it, um, to be honest with you. I you, was going to do something else. You've been itching, um, itching to bring this to the table. I, I have been itching to do this, and yeah. there was a bit of motivation recently. Yeah. Um, sadly, my grandmother passed away. Yes, yes. And she was a massive Norman Wisdom fan, and we've obviously been sorting the house out. And I've come across her collection of Norman Wisdom stuff. Oh, wow. Okay. So while I was sitting there, because obviously we've, we've delayed some of the podcast because yeah, of what's been going on. Of course, yeah. I thought it'd be a fitting one to come back. It's going to break the running order if it's a slightly, because we're going to do a comedy, a drama, oh. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do you know but what? I thought it'd be a nice one just to jump in with after what's been going on. Well... To be honest, mate, we're in the swing of it now. I don't think it matters too much if we do a couple of comedies in a row or whatever, or you know, we, we just pick and choose what we're going to do. And I think that's a really nice sort of tribute to you. Now, what was your name's name? It was. Um, uh, this is the best thing, Patricia Tester. But obviously, she's known as Pat. Pat Nana Pat. Yeah, Pat Tester. <laughs> what, even, Tester. what a brilliant name! Ah, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be doing a tribute to Nana Pat Tester next time on Real Britannia this episode and others you can find on the website realbritannia.libsyn.com follow us on Twitter at RV underscore podcast we've got a Facebook page which Tony's been sort of contributing to and I've been chucking a few bits on there so go along and like that and just join in the conversation and if you'd like to send us an email or an mp3 you can send it at realbritannia at gmail.com Please send in feedback, emails, feedback, pictures, Checks, what you've been doing that week, what film you've been watching, anything. Send it, send it, send it. Give we us, will read it out. Give us something to talk about apart from people dying. <laughs> yes. No no death. That is the only thing that we will ban is death. All other areas are open. You can talk about what you like, but death. We will, we will comment on it. Perhaps we'll come up with something that we can actually do as a little feature before we go into the movie next week, mate. We'll have a little chat off there. Tone, been a pleasure, mate. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you all to listeners. Oh. And um, we await your feedback <laughs> in great anticipation. I think even your girlfriend stopped listening now. <laughs> <laughs> all the people at work listen to it. Well, they say they do. They say they do. They just, so they, this would be a good test. If they wait to the very end, they'll get their little mention. Yeah, they're just they? they're just humouring you, Tony. They just say it. He's like, oh, he's talking on the talking on the radio to his friends. You know. Just well, like, we know at least one person listens because we did get a comment on Facebook the other day. We did indeed. So one one's good enough. <laughs> one, one's more than we was expecting. <laughs> I, I listened to it. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I'm sure Scott has to listen to it when he edits it. I have so. to listen to it a couple of times to edit it, exactly, yeah. So that's well, there t- you go then. So there's some more people on the list straight away. Oh, marvellous. Tony, I'll see you next time. We'll see you soon. Thanks ta- a lot. Ta-da, mate. Bye-bye. <laughs>
good luck. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> You're like the Steve Wright of the podcast world. That's a fucking insult. <laughs> Ken, Ken Bruce. It could be worse. It could be Jimmy Savile. No. Uh, oh. British hand up, sir.